Vox Quick Hits. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When the cicadas were out in Washington, D.C., one of my friends decided to throw a cicada potluck and have people over to cook and eat the bugs. She invited me, and I didn't go. The whole idea of it seemed pretty gross to me. But I recently read a story from Dylan Matthews, one of my colleagues at Vox, that made me wonder whether I got it wrong. What if the issue with eating insects isn't whether or not it's icky, but whether or not it's right? Is eating crickets and mealworms a more humane and environmentally friendly alternative to, say, cows and pigs? How should I feel about harming a fly? Dylan's here to chat it all out. So, the idea of eating bugs is not really for me. But there are a lot of reasons why incorporating bugs into our diets could be a good thing for the planet, I guess. What are some of the arguments in favor of eating insects instead of, like, chicken? One thing just to start with is that while sort of bug eating is kind of hot foodie thing in the U.S. and Europe, like a lot of hot foodie things, it originated elsewhere. And this is a pretty common practice in a lot of places around the world. A lot of Asia, some of Africa, the Amazon region of South America, a huge share of protein comes from insects. The best evidence I could find is that about 2 billion people globally have insects as, as some part of their diet. So it's it's a, a longstanding practice, and the reasons to do it are, are pretty straightforward. Insects are pretty high in protein. They're animals. They need proteins to move around and do animal things. And they have a lot of important micronutrients like zinc and vitamin B12, iron, that a lot of people are deficient in in their diets. Um, So there's been recent research suggesting that if people added some insect food to their diets, they'd be at less risk of protein deficiency, zinc deficiency, things like that. They're also an unusually efficient form of meat in that... What you're doing when you're growing meat of any kind, whether it's like a cricket or a cow, is you're turning the food that you give to that animal into food in the form of the animal. And that is pretty inefficient when it comes to things like pigs and cows, because pigs and cows do a lot of stuff. They they move around a lot. They're warm-blooded, really importantly. And so a lot of that energy is going to keep their blood warm. And so... Food and Agriculture Organization at the UN has been pushing insect-based food in part because insects are cold-blooded. So they require less feed to turn into animal protein than other kinds of animals. So if you're looking at sustainable farming and and looking for sustainable food sources, uh, that's that's a key component. Mm -hmm. So for me, it feels like, I guess, the personal argument against it is like, do I actually want to eat a cricket? But what's kind of the broader argument here about whether or not, I guess, this is the right thing to do? One question is what 
the market for edible insects is. So often in the press, you'll see insects counterposed against things like pigs or or chickens or, or cows as sources of protein for humans to eat. We're thinking about humans eating crickets and, and mealworms mm-hmm. and the like. The market as it exists right now is, is really nothing like that. The vast majority of insects that are grown for food are food for farm animals. Uh, they're mm-hmm. raised to be feed for chickens or farm fish or turn into pet food because pet food is, is often sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of cheap <laughs> protein sources. And so I think from an efficiency and environmental perspective, that raises a question of, well, if we're raising this, these insects to feed to other animals that are just as inefficient at converting food into to protein as, as they've always been, are we really getting anything there? And I think it's also a concern for people who care about animal welfare and are concerned about factory farms, because instead of being an alternative to that and an alternative source of protein, that it doesn't involve some of the, the cruel practices involved in raising pigs or chickens or cows, insects could be assisting that industry, could be an input to that industry as opposed to an alternative. And what does insect farming look like? It's kind of funny. I uh, Insects are very small. That is not the, the most original observation I've ever made, but uh, you can fit a lot of them in relatively small spaces. And so mm-hmm. if you look at some of these facilities, they're not sprawling like acre-on-acre complexes, the way that cow farms or or pig farms are. They often look like a warehouse with lots of cardboard that the insects, like crickets or mealworms, can climb and and exist on. We are now in southern Finland, and I'm going to visit a cricket farm. There are about a million crickets, edible crickets. And let's go in and find out more. But that are also vertical, so you can fit more of them. It's always very damp without a lot of actual water because most of these species require a kind of damp, humid environment. Listen to this. It's hot, it's humid, and there is also a very particular smell that's going in. And so I've I've seen a few sort of tours of, of factories doing this, and it feels more like a science lab in some ways than a traditional farm, in part because of that small footprint it's, it's expanding a lot, and there are dozens of startups in recent years that have come on and are turning insect protein into a, a sort of growth industry. And it's sort of a self-fulfilling thing from there, that the, the way investment works is that people kind of want to be investing in the things other investors are interested in. And once something like insect protein becomes cool, you get a lot of money flowing in. I first heard about it because uh, someone I, I vaguely knew in college from my college dorm won money on Shark Tank for her <laughs> cricket farming startup, which seems to be doing quite well. Uh, and uh, wow. but, but she is just one of dozens of people making a go at this. I mean, I know that you're saying the farms are small, but like presumably you have to eat more than like one cricket to be like full and I guess get the nutrients that you would get from a pig, right? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, many, many, many more crickets go into getting you a gram uh, or 100 grams of protein than cows or chickens. And often the form they take differs a lot. So in many cases, uh, people will eat crickets whole and, and that is sort of a traditional way of eating them in many cultures. But a lot of these startups are, are doing cricket powder, um, making chips mm. out of, of ground-up crickets 
baking powders you can put in milkshakes or smoothies, uh, the way that whey protein is sometimes used, just sort of turning it into an industrial commodity like that. And for that, you're you're dealing with just sort of a powder that could come from thousands and thousands of crickets. And so if this ramps up, you would need, if if not bigger facilities than the ones I was describing, then at least many more of them uh, to meet that kind of demand. Got it. Would it affect the insect populations? Like, would it be all of a sudden hard to, I don't know, find crickets if you wanted to find crickets in the wild? Um, I don't know that it would. There are people who do wild uh, insect collection um, as as their way of of sourcing insect meat. There's a an interesting farm called Mia's uh, in Connecticut that that does a lot of sort of uh, caught insect farming. That's really labor intensive, uh, and yeah. it's a lot it's a lot easier to just farm them yourself. And I think in the wild. Crickets are, are very resilient creatures uh, who will find habitats uh, that they can thrive in, and you're only taking in a few and then breeding them very quickly uh, to get these farms off the ground. So I know that kind of we've framed this in like, is this a sustainable thing to do? But like, you're somebody who cares a lot about whether it's an ethical thing to eat animals. Is it ethical to eat a bug? Should I be sad about eating a bug that I'm hurting it? So I will, I will say something that that is is uh, not very satisfying when you write this in articles, but it's true. I have no idea. Um, I I have read a lot about sort of what we know about the mental states of things like uh, chickens and pigs, and it seems clear that they have nervous systems and and brains that, well, not human certainly, are in the ballpark. They they definitely feel pain. If you give a pig Vicodin. It acts like it's not in pain anymore, which seems to suggest that that it experiences pain in a way similar to humans. They're very smart in certain ways. Pigs can play video games rather successfully. And so I read stuff like that and I think, yeah, these are these are kind of animals that I care about, that I, I don't want to live cramped, awful lives in factory farms. Caterpillars and crickets are just are very much more biologically distant from humans. They have much more primitive nervous systems, if you can even call them that. But at the same time, I don't want to dismiss the idea that they can feel pain out of hand, precisely because I don't know. Uh, fruit flies have sometimes acted in ways that the researchers have described as like chronic pain, um, that they, they might uh, sort of limp or avoid certain painful experiences that might irritate something the way that the humans dealing with chronic pain might Bees, uh, as our, our colleague Brian Resnick uh, loves this story, but he, he he wrote a piece on bees understanding the number zero, which is is a difficult concept for many human children, um, but but bees seem to understand it intuitively. And I think the bigger question for me is, you know, in the face of us not knowing what to make of these these things and and how much to care about them, there are about a trillion insects raised and killed on farms every year. They have very short lives, and so at any given time, there's many fewer than one trillion. But if there's even like a small chance that they feel pain, that's concerning to me. Because if if our intuitions on this are wrong, and they, they are more like dogs and cats than we think they are, and, and feel emotions that, that seem morally meaningful to us, then the scale of that would be really, really big. 
and big enough that I think it's worth taking this possibility seriously, even if it seems kind of silly. I mean, I will say, like, I will let flies out of my window, but I definitely want somebody who's not me to kill the cockroach. So I don't know. I don't know where I stand. <laughs> I've killed plenty of cockroaches. Yeah, no, I'm not going to sit here and, and act like Mother Teresa. But yeah, I, I think I like writing the piece in part because it's challenging and because it, it, it challenges the way I've always thought about insects in my life. And because of the enormity of it, that if insects matter, it's this whole part of the world that I've never cared about before that suddenly seems really important. Mm-hmm. So I guess kind of hypothetical and last question here. Let's say bugs aren't sentient, can't feel pain. Do you think that you would meaningfully incorporate bugs into your diet at some point because it, it's just better for the planet or a better source of protein or whatever? So my, my cheater's answer is probably not because I'm a very picky eater, as my parents and wife could tell you. And and so I, I might be too much of a wimp to try it. I think if they can't feel pain, then yeah, I would, I would have no moral problem with, with eating them. And I, I think especially in powder form, uh, I could pri- probably find a way that didn't gross me out too much and was was uh, tasted fairly good. So, yeah, that's the the pain question is the big thing for me. But as you said at the beginning of this, you kind of have to get over the is eating bugs gross part first. Yeah, the ick factor. Well, I, I said this at the top, but uh, one of our colleagues actually had a cicada party earlier this year, and I did make fun of her for much of the summer, but also <laughs> wanted to see her, wanted to watch her hunt the cicadas. So, you know, but was not for me. I was not making the trip to her party. Yeah, I was not invited to the cicada party, and I don't feel super bad about that. <laughs> well, thanks for being here, Dylan. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Dylan Matthews is a senior correspondent at Vox, and you can find him on Twitter at Dylan Matt. I'm Emily Stewart, and this is Tell Me More. Our producer is Sophie Lalonde. You can find more stories from Vox in the Vox Quick Hits feed wherever you get your podcasts. 